Welcome to the Plant Rich Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? Grove. Her name is Suri. You may have just heard her thump down on the camper floor. She was sitting next to me here in my office. Suri has been an amazing teacher in so many ways for the past few months that she's been here with us. We had her to the vet last week. Um, she's about nine years old, in perfect health. Thank goodness that was a concern. She came from uh, the outdoors, so we didn't know how well her health was standing up to all those years living outside, but she's really healthy. And she um, is really affectionate and loving and gentle until she isn't. Uh, Most of us here in the Grove carry... uh, scars from her suddenly lashing out at us and clawing us out of seemingly nowhere. And so I've started to really pay attention to her when I'm with her to try to understand what causes this sudden change in her behavior. And this has been a point of incredible teaching for me. What I've noticed is she is very affectionate, very warm, very loving, almost excessively, you know, sort of headbutting you for pets and rolling on her back and just luxuriating in this sensual experience of connection. And then something happens. And just today, while I was sitting with her, I noticed she wanted her attention back so she could put it on something else. And I kept petting her, and I could see the look in her eyes that I've now recognized as the look that comes before the strike. She is communicating subtly, but if we are not paying attention, we miss it. And so she needed me to stop petting her so she could use her faculties to hear something, sense something. And if I didn't catch the subtle look in her eye and the subtle change in her ear posture, then she would tell me with her claws and a growl. But because I'm learning, (laughs) I heard her when she looked at me in that subtle way. And I withdrew my affection and she turned her attention in the place she needed to turn it and she discerned there was something there she needed to pay attention to and so she went off did what she needed to do and then came back to me and as a mother and a wife and a recovering people pleaser 
I know the look she gave me. I know it so well. It's her way of saying, I love you and I care about you and I need you to stop so I can have my own life back for just a moment, my own attention back for just a moment. Because I've shot that look at my husband, at my kids. I love you and I need you to stop. I need my ears to hear something that I need to hear. I need my eyes so I can see something that I need to see. I need my hands so that I can use them to do something that I need to do. And that need can be something that is not considered a priority over the priority that my family brings to me. My son is hungry and wants me to make him a grilled cheese sandwich. But I just saw a colorful streak of light go past the window and I wanna go and investigate what that was. And how do I hold those priorities inside myself? My desire for exploration and curiosity and wonder and to follow my own impetus for adventure and my son's very practical and very real need for a grilled cheese sandwich. Before I recovered from my people-pleasing tendencies, I would feel that urge, that desire to move away from the conversation, the need, and, and explore something or give myself some space to think about something important or attend to my own, even my own biological needs, especially when I was working as a nurse in the hospital, it's really hard to attend to my own biological needs. And so I had trained myself to barely register that voice inside me and then shove it down. And as time went on, I noticed the shoving down part became more and more uncomfortable, like a pressure. And then that pressure became anger and resentment and rage. Because it took more and more of my life force energy to push those internal messages into the background. This is something that Suri does not do. She does not push her urges into the background. She fights for them with her claws and her teeth. She knows that following her instincts is what keeps her alive. She knows that her attunement to every sound, every smell, every change in the wind is what has given her nine years of living in the wild. She trusts it. She trusts her inner impulse so much that she's willing to hurt the people she loves to prioritize her own instinct. Suri is not worried about my feelings. 
but she clearly loves me. She's not afraid to upset me, but she clearly feels safe with me and seeks me out for safety. She trusts me to deal with my own instincts, my own feelings, just as she deals with her own. She is fiercely attuned to her inner life and to the life moving all around her. And she does it so clearly, so cleanly, so devotedly. She's lying here next to me now on the soft bed, grooming herself meticulously attending to every detail of her thick fur growing thicker by the day as the nights get cooler. She is the closest I get to an intimate relationship with this land and its wildness because she embodies wildness even as she reaches out for relationship and connection to humans. Her relationship with me is not more important to her than her wildness. It's an extension of her wildness. And I can feel that moving inside of me. My own wild attunement. my own need to pay attention to sounds and smells and movements and fleeting sights, my own need to meticulously attend to my body and my home and how that is part of my wildness. Every wild thing meticulously attends to its body its nest, its den, its burrow. That is not a domestic skill. That is a wild skill. Being conditioned to believe that attending to someone else's needs outside my own, outside this home, outside the the health of this body, That is domestication. But fiercely attending to our own health, our own curiosity, our own cleanliness, that's wildness. And it's something we should protect with tooth and claw. So a life that requires us to not have enough time to eat well or not have enough time to keep after our homes or not have enough time to follow our curiosities, that is something we should hiss at and growl at. We should engage in these systems in ways that are supportive of our lives 
but don't take us out of our own lives. Just like Suri and her relationship with me is supportive of her wildness. I don't rob her of it. Twice a day, I feed her and give her water. And every few days, she brings me a vole or a pack rat or a mouse. Our relationship is symbiotic, reciprocal, and wild. I have practiced what we call attachment parenting or gentle parenting, where I've worked hard to attune myself to my children to let them have agency and choice, to lead me in what their needs are, and I growl at them when they pass a boundary. I don't believe in weak parenting, where we make the children the leaders of the house. In fact, I think that style of parenting is extremely dangerous for the children and for the parents and for our future. I practice a style of parenting that I call being a wolf mother. I guide, I lead, I point out danger, I let them make mistakes, and I will be respected. And I will respect them. My children, who will be adults someday, hopefully respectful, wild adults who aren't afraid to growl. When I had devoted myself to love and light new age culture, I was convinced that I should never do that, that I should never get angry, that I should never have harsh tone to my voice, that I should never confront anyone, that my whole work was to sublimate tension inside myself so that I could be a river of peace. But what I've discovered is that is not peace. That is acquiescence and martyrdom. True peace is built on a foundation of justice. And I've talked about that on this podcast before. And justice comes from honesty, truthfulness, and the parties in the relationship actually having their needs met, not withholding to compromise and then building resentment. In the years before I started recovering from my people-pleasing tendencies, I still clawed and growled, but I did it to myself. 
instead of risking hurting anyone else. I turned those claws on me on the inside. I'm so grateful for Suri. She's truly and deeply showing me how to prioritize my own needs and how to be clear and direct in communicating with those around me. She is not passive aggressive. She is not manipulative. She does not fawn. May we remember the wild truth. May we devote ourselves to it in love, in clarity, in curiosity, in power, and not settle for less than that. If you would like to support the podcast, you can find a link at plantwitchpodcast.com or you can go directly to Patreon at patreon.com slash the rebel herbalist. We welcome your financial support and we also welcome your participation in this vibrant community of humans who are working together to rejoin the web of life. The audio that you hear for the intro and outro of this podcast is the song Vikings by Alan Gray. Thank you for joining me for the Plant Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Schrader. I'm an herbalist, a mother, a holistic nurse, and a practitioner of the ancient ways. Thank you for joining me, and it's time to come back to life.